Welcome to the Dirt to Dollars podcast. Hosted by Central Kentucky Extension agents, Whitney Carmen, Daniel Carpenter, and Matt Adams. Where we talk everything from the dirt on your land to the dollars in your hand. Oh, hello everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dirt to Dollars. Uh, getting getting closer to Christmas time. Starting to look like Christmas outside, isn't it? No, well, if it not so much. On Christmas. <laughs> Most of the time it does rain on Christmas or kind of looks like this, but um, it, it is a blessing though it, and a curse. Uh, but I think maybe we're getting enough rain where we'll move out of the drought status. What do y'all think? I think so. I mean, we're it's raining currently here. Of course, we're recording this on a Thursday morning, but in Grayson County, it's raining and there were puddles and creeks are filled. And so I think we're getting getting close you all were just saying that we're recording this on a thursday morning and talking about drought status they update the drought map on thursday mornings yeah but um most time it's afternoon but i don't think it'll be affected yet i'd say next week it'll uh, is when we'll see it change possibly there's uh looks like there's a lot of rain in the forecast for the next five to seven days to keep yeah. coming. And I even think they're talking about uh, next week being some potentially heavy storms moving through the area. So it is that kind of, the, it's the same time of year that uh, the tornadoes moved through last year. Um, if you all remember, and it kind of ties into our guest today, we're going to have Greg Comer from uh, the Ohio County extension office to join us and talk a little bit about, about himself, but also about Ohio County. Cause they had a lot of a lot of tornado damage, uh, you know, a year ago, I guess this weekend, was it the 10th? Yeah, the 10th. Yeah. And and he is actually, it's interesting that you say that because they, of course, they're a neighboring county to us. And they got the same tornado that went through the Mayfield, Dawson Springs area, which, you know, I'm not taking anything away from that because it was devastating. But they they had that same slot. It went right through their county, the middle of their county. And so they're, they had a lot of, and he's going to talk about what they've done and what they've had um happen yeah we'll talk about that a little bit later uh get a little more into it right now i need to prove daniel wrong Uh the drought monitor is updated at 7 a.m on thursday oh you gosh your mouth and we are are we still in a drought most of hardin county has moved out of severe drought and into moderate drought so still in a drought so look at it yeah. next Thursday morning at 7.08 or whatever time it comes on. And uh, I, I'm, my bet is that we will be out of that uh, drought status. I hope so. But that just means it's mud season for, for the, the cattle. Yeah, and that's the curse. Started this week. <laughs> that's, that's the right. curse part I was going to talk about. It is it Mud season has began, has begun, which was the right one to use there. Has begun. Has begun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not an English major, so I have no idea. That just sounds better. But yeah, it is that um, getting muddy. And, you know, if uh, a lot of us have made improvements on the farm to help control some of that mud. And if you haven't, you know, just as you're performing duties around the around the farm make note of maybe some of the areas you might need to work on to help limit that that mud because it's something that we complain about every year uh having to deal with and there's there are some things we can do and uh rock and geotextile fabric we can put down in places or control traffic to certain areas that that will help um 
remedy some of the mud problems we're having on farms. Yeah, I know uh, Steve Higgins with UK did a lot, has done a lot of work in that area because he did say that, you know, he realizes that's our number one problem that we have here during, especially this time of year. And there's a lot of, a lot of information out there. So you can ask one of us or look it up and we can, we can help you out with that. Did you get, did you all watch Yellowstone this week? I did. Yes, I did. And it's, I did too. I, I don't, do you all watch it live? Some, we no, it. most of the time we have to wait till the kids are in bed That's, and well asleep because our house is small and you can yeah. hear pretty much in the whole house what we're watching. So uh, we try to make sure they are long gone in Same. deep slumber. Before and it works, it works out on a Sunday night because usually we get them to bed. We've got like a 30 minute head start or that, it's got like a 30 minute head start on us. It's DVR. So we just watch it from the beginning. Then you, you can, can skip, skip all the commercials and you pretty well catch it by the end and finish about the same time everybody else does. Well, here lately, it's been more like an hour at my house because I have a, a two-year-old that refuses sleep. But we do mm. we did watch it on Sunday. And, it, you know, I've heard we were talking amongst us about it. And, you know, I thought it was a pretty good episode, but for different reasons. And, and Daniel, you said it wasn't necessarily your favorite yeah, I just kind of, I watched it, but just didn't really take much from it. You know, I um, just kind of was a blah episode to me. I thought it was hilarious because of the the altercation that happened. And I thought, you know what? Sometimes that's just what you need is just to duke it out. Oh, well, how y'all was... handle things in the, at the Grayson County Extension office? No, is that's how they handle conflict. <laughs> just take it outside. Just saying. Uh, I don't think well, that's in I mean, UK policy. It is not, but I'm talking about just in life. You know, it it just is funny because it almost feels like sometimes that would be that would be the best thing to work it out. It's just to dig it out, get it over, and then your friends after, and it's fine. It worked itself out. But that's the only thing that I didn't get is like they had all this conflict, and just after a fight like that, then they're besties. Like I just I I mean I do get it to an extent. I understand, and then maybe they realize they're too much alike but they just have different opinions. Does that make sense? Like, you know, when yes. there's somebody that you're just like, maybe the exact opposite to and in, in one thing, but everything else is the same. A lot of times you don't like that person. Um, so I don't know. We don't need to get into psychology and, and, and all that, but I, I, I just thought that was odd. That they were, had a fight and now they're besties. Yeah. Well, I just thought it was interesting because, you know, I hear about stories you know, as a, I didn't, I was never involved in a physical altercation at school. That might surprise you all, but I wasn't. And, but knowing that when we were kids, if kids got into a fight after that, they were just kind of like, okay, it's over with. <laughs> so I don't know. <clears throat> I, I hold a grudge. It's up to, but I think this is going to be a lead up episode. So there will probably be a lot happen next week. If I had to guess we're several episodes in already, there's only a few left, right? Isn't this only Probably. like the third episode? No, it's fifth or sixth. You watched them. You were like a week behind, so you watched a bunch in one week. I watched two, and I think <laughs> it's like fourth. Pretty sure it's I don't fourth. Know. Sure. Yeah. Speaking of TV shows, have uh, I know you know we all have kids. Are there uh, of the Christmas shows and movies? Has the has that started in your all's households? Yes. We watched, we watched the Grinch the other day. Which one? There's like uh, seven of them. The not 
like cartoonish one, but the newer cartoon one. The newest one? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. The not Jim Carrey I, one? Right. Jim yeah. Carrey's a little over the top for a 10-month-old and a four-year-old. Uh, we like I I like them I yeah I like them all but I do like the the new one is probably my favorite I, it's got good message in it and the music's good and it looks good that's that's one that's kind of that moving into game? our yeah it's moving okay. into our rotation of being a uh kind of probably a yearly yearly watch actually we probably watch that during the rig during the year sometimes because yeah. my kids like it so much. We've watched that one over the weekend, which, like you said, my kids really like that one because, you know, it's bright and it, it'll actually keep the toddlers, uh, you know, yeah, attention got, for more than five seconds. color in it, yep. Yeah. And then we've watched, they watched the Santa Claus 2 last night because it was on like regular network TV. And then they, they watch, um, which is on Netflix, I think, that they were watching last year, the, the uh, Christmas Chronicles with, what is his name? Um. Oh, what is his uh, name? Wyatt Earp. N- no. Wyatt yeah. Earp. He was Wyatt Earp. Yes. <laughs> He's Santa his, in this one. What is his? Uh, Russell. Kurt Russell. Kurt right? Russell. Yeah. Is that name? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, his. There's the two. Um, those two movies. They have a first and a second one, and so yeah. they've been watching those. So, if thinking more along for you all. I saw something on Facebook and it was like a pic is a bunch of pictures of all the different um, movies, I guess that are uh, Christmas movies that are out there. And it was like, pick your three of, mm-hmm. of these movies. And there was one in there that I don't think it was listed that I was like, ah, I might have chose that one, but just go from now till, you know, of all the movies ever made, like what's your top three that you're going to make sure that you watch every every Christmas? Can I? You want me to give mine first to get you all yeah, thinking? Go. Yeah. So without a doubt, it's probably on all of ours is Christmas Vacation. That's that's, yes. that's probably number one. I started then, to watch that the other night, but I haven't watched it all the way through yet this year. Yeah, I, I will sit down. I will probably sit down one night and have a a. a special holiday drink and uh, if i can say that and uh watch that all the way through it's like a every year but anyway so there's that one and then it gets kind of tricky for me because i like i like that one i like rudolph the red nosed reindeer the you know the claymation the old one the 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 the, the og um actually i don't think it's the og i think there's one that's older than that but anyway there's, there's that one and then um and then it's it, I'm torn because if I have to pick three, I always watch the Frosty the Snowman cartoon. Like have since I can remember, like I watch it every year, and now the kids like it. So those are probably my three. With um, Elf with Will Ferrell being like right up there because I do like I think that's funny and I like watching it every year too. But it's kind of right on the outside. It's honorable mention, I guess, for me. But those are my three that every year. I'm watching those three for Christmas. What do y'all got? Well, I'm, you're a little old school as far as yours that you watch, but I always watch every year that I can, you know, that I've, that I can remember is we have been watching Christmas vacation and then home alone is a, mm-hmm. is one of my favorites that we always watch every year. And then it would probably be, um, 
you know, it would probably be Rudolph if I had to guess, because that's one thing that the kids do watch every year. And I've watched it. I I don't think there's been a year that I haven't. Now, is it something that I'm like, I'm going to sit down and watch? No, but it just, it just so happens that's something we watch every year. We bought a DVD with them on there. So we won't Mm -hmm. miss them and we'll watch them. I can remember back in the day though, if you didn't catch it, like if you didn't get that little printout that had all the holiday shows and when they were going to be on what channels, like if you didn't hit it at that time, you didn't watch them. Right. What about you, Matt? Uh, Christmas Vacation. You can throw Rudolph in there, I guess. And really, that's probably about all that. Sounds like you probably watched The Grinch, too, you Grinch. <laughs> that, too. Yeah, we can throw okay. that in there. <laughs> Funny story. I actually I call my husband the Grinch because he has a big heart, but he's, he's grumpy. And so we, my daughter kind of caught on and laughed about it. She actually, her and I made him a Grinch tree this year. So we actually have three Christmas trees up this year. And one of them is full of Grinch stuff and it's in his office. (laughs) So we like the Grinch around the house. Yeah. We have a bunch of Christmas trees. I'm not, I'm not going to get started on that. Yeah. Well, one inside, one outside. The outside one's new this year. Well, That's basically our, our Christmas lights outside because we don't have Christmas lights on our house. We have a lit up Christmas tree on our front porch. We actually, we have two maple trees in our front yard and we kind of did the little like wrap, wrap around them with Christmas lights. So those are our, that's the first year we've actually done any kind of outside lights. So it was Same. I strung yeah. up some and some trees in the front yard and I've, I've, we've, I was never really for that, but the kids really wanted to have some lights. And so yep. we broke down and got some. Things we do for our kids. Yep. Well, I know we, we had a few other things that we're going to talk about, but maybe we'll save that for, for after our uh, interview here. So, um, uh, Whitney, if you don't mind, why don't you go ahead and give our uh, guest an introduction? Well, join with us today. We have uh, Mr. Greg Comer. He is the extension agent for agriculture in Ohio County, which is uh, my neighboring county. So glad you could join us this morning, Greg. Glad to be here. All right, so let's get started. I know Ohio County is a pretty significant agriculture county, so do you want to give us a little bit of background about the county and kind of how you um, were got there and, and a little bit of background about yourself? Well, that's kind of an interesting story in itself. Uh, before I got into extension, I was uh, worked for Miles Farm Supply based out of Ohio. At that time, they were the largest farm supply business in the state of Kentucky, and uh uh, I was in charge of their uh, retail plant. Uh, they're based in Owensboro. And uh, actually, one of the farmers from the northern part of the county walked in one day and he said, I got a job for you. And I said, oh, you do? He said, yeah, our county extension agent retired. And at that particular time, the UK was under a hard freeze. They were not hiring anyone. But uh, since he was retired, John Cavanaugh, my predecessor, was retired for uh, six months. And they were going to go ahead and fill the position, but they had to fill the position because the home ec agent was going on maternity leave and a 4-H agent, her husband got transferred to Northern Kentucky. So they basically in Ohio County, they were going to no agents <laughs> for a period of time there. So uh, they did go ahead and fill the position uh, uh, and I applied and here I am 35 years later, basically. I was going <laughs> to ask, so, so you're from, are you from here originally, from Ohio County originally? 
I'm what you would call, I guess, for a period of time, I was a migrant. You know, they always claim that a migrant is someone who moves to a new area for the first three years. Well, I'm a transplant at this point. I'm from Mason County originally. And uh, I, when I, I went to University of Kentucky and got my degree, and uh, I wanted to do something different. I, I thought I'd always go back to the farm, but, you know, working seven days a week, 24 hours a day wasn't necessarily fun in some respects. So I decided to try something different and took a job with a research and development rep based out of Owensboro. It was just a summer job, temporary job. And it was similar to what I had done while I was at UK. I, I worked in the weed science lab. At that time, it was the largest uh, uh, graduate program that they had in the College of Agriculture. They actually had 12 graduate students and about 30 undergraduate students that worked in that program. That's back when you had a lot of agrochemical companies and uh, they were paying the university to do a lot of the research for them. And so I got really interested, but my problem was at that point, I was not willing to, I, I liked the research side, but I was not willing to stay in school for another two years to get a master's. Uh, I was burned out. I was tired. I was ready to go to work and, and get my hands dirty doing something. So I took the job in Owensboro with a research and development rep with American Cyanamid, uh, the people that make that used to make Prowl. Of course, they've sold that company since then, combined with another. And that, that was a fascinating job. But through that, I like this end of the day. And, and here I am 40 years later, I'm still down here. And yep. Pretty much uh, my children are here. My grandchildren are here. So this is home anymore. <laughs> well, that's interesting. So, Go ahead. Yeah. Speaking some more on Ohio County and Ohio County agriculture, uh, what I guess makes up most of the agriculture in Ohio County? Well, Ohio County is kind of unique. It is the fifth largest county, 380,000 acres in the state, uh, but it's a very diverse county. Uh, 49% of it is still in trees. Uh, with that said, we still have a very large and diverse agricultural production out here, uh, along with the timber industry. Uh, we, we raised corn, soybeans, a pretty large uh, cattle industry, mainly cow-calf operations. Uh, the largest cow-calf producer in the county runs 800 cows. So uh, we, we run all over the board, all the way down to small herds, as small as 10 head out there. So it's, it's pretty diverse. We're, we've got a green uh, commercial horticulture industry, mainly from the vegetable production. Uh, we we uh, started a farmer's market here in the county about eight years ago, and it's continuing to grow uh, each year uh, over in the city of Beaver Dam. They support it, and they built a a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for a complex where they can have their farmers market each Saturday and the such and and it's continued to grow and along with that we had a producer that was uh, uh, he started with the farmers market and then he got larger and he now has his own roadside stand who's also listed with the Kentucky Farm Bureau roadside uh, program and the such but oh, uh, we, we crop about 70,000 acres of corn and soybeans. Used to have a pretty good around 1,000 acres back in the day. We have, I think, one left. <laughs> That's how, how the tobacco industry's kind of gone. That's and a he common probably story. wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the dark tobacco. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, That's the only right. thing supporting him. Uh, we Do, had, we, go ahead. I was going to ask if you all had any, uh, your, 
I didn't know if you still had uh, very many poultry houses in your all's county or not. We we actually have around 250 houses scattered across this county. That's my best estimate. It's really hard to get a, a good it handle is. on that. Uh, Purdue is is based out of Ohio County here down in the Cromwell area. And at one time, they were the third largest poultry company. But the difference between them and most of these poultry, they're privately owned. They are not publicly traded. So I, I find that kind of unique that they could get to size based on that. But Frank Purdue wanted to come to Ohio County years before he ever did. In fact, when I started, when I was cleaning out uh, John Cavanaugh's old desk, I found a, a uh, business card from Frank Purdue. And uh, Frank had visited this county about 30 years before he ever located here. So he had, he had looked at this county for, or this area for a long time. He wanted to be in the Midwest. He, and, and I talked to him one time before he passed away. And he said, the reason I want to be in this, if you look at where most of the production, it's up and down, down, down the East Coast and in the dead south, deep south. And he said, I wanted to be closer to those Midwest markets, those St. Louis, Chicago. And, and the great thing about Kentucky is you're within 12 hours of every major market except for the West Coast from mm. Kentucky. And he mm. said, that's why I wanted to be here. But when he first came here, he, uh, he said that Kentucky Economic Development Council took him to uh, Clark County and said, oh, you need to be located here. Of course, right in the middle of the Golden Triangle. Uh, we're not going to get in the middle of politics, be that as it may. But uh, he said, where's the corn? And he said, oh, we can get you corn. He said, son, he said, you see that semi sitting over there? He said, every time I start one of them up, and he said, I've got thousands of those. It cost me $2.50 a mile. I want the corn in my backyard. And that's why he's <laughs> in Ohio County. That's awesome. <laughs> you can get 70% of the corn production within a three-hour drive from Ohio County. Yeah. So that's where he wanted to be. He knew his P's and Q's and knew exactly what he wanted in his site and everything. So let's talk so, a little bit about, um, oh, go ahead, Matt. No, you go. You were good. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about you, since you are such a uh, pretty diverse and, and large agriculture county. Um, you know, we are coming up and we teased this a little bit earlier that the tornadoes um, are coming up on the one year anniversary of the ones that kind of came through Western Kentucky. And, you know, it's it's well known that Ohio County was hit by that same tornado that hit Mayfield, Dawson Springs and those areas. And um, but since you're such a large agriculture community, you know, I don't and didn't have a big city. It wasn't as publicized. So can you talk a little bit about how it, that affected you all and then how you maybe have uh, worked towards getting back to normal since then? It, uh, that was probably the second biggest uh, weather event that we've had here. Of course, the biggest weather, or, well, it's actually the biggest weather event, but probably the one, the closest one to that was back in 2009. 2009 that ice storm that came through here mm -hmm. we ended mm -hmm. up with two and a half inches of ice by the time that was over and i think grayson county was impacted by that as well it kind of yes. took a, a narrow line because we could go to orangeboro and they had very little went to bowling green had very little but that tornado was actually on the ground in this county for about 35 miles uh, i mean it went all the way from the southwest corner through the east corner and then exited up through through grayson county there and everything uh, we had about 75 farms that were impacted by that. Uh, but that, to me, that 
doesn't really tell the story. We were very fortunate in the fact that it, it did not touch any of our cities or towns. Uh, it, we did not lose any lives in that particular uh, incident. And we had very few injuries, nobody critically injured uh, from that standpoint. We had some people, a uh, uh, few families that were in their home when it hit and they were beat up a little bit but nobody spent any extended time in the hospital from that standpoint. Uh, we've been rebuilding, but I mean, probably the largest farm that was impacted, he had seven poultry houses that were demolished within about five minutes. And you know, you talk about, uh, it's a matter of seconds when you're sitting there dealing with these type incidents. I was talking to a farmer after that, and he said, I was sitting at the house watching TV, said the lights blinked and he said, oh, there must be a storm coming. I better go make sure my generator kicks on. He said, I'm sitting there putting my shoes on. He said, if I had been 15 minutes earlier, I would have been standing in one of them houses as that tornado took, took a direct hit on his seven houses mm. and completely wiped them out. Uh, so, I mean, it's a matter of inches and a matter of seconds, depending on where you are and how bad you're impacted by those type incidents out there. Uh, but you look at that incident alone, some of those houses that he had were built way back when Purdue came here 20 years ago. And a value when they built those originally was about 125000 You look at replacement value today, they're 250000 for a 50 by 600 foot house out there. So, I mean, he's looking at a $1.7 million loss just at his poultry houses alone out there. That's where he gets into his his uh, fence damage, his house damage, and things like that out there. Overall, it was probably a twenty-five to thirty million dollar uh, uh, also when you look at all the uh, impacts across the county. We had another large farmer here just north of Hartford, and to show you how close it was, it was within a half mile of hitting Hartford. So we were very fortunate there. But you look at that farmer t in that particular location, it took out a, a, one of our larger farm supplies, completely obliterated that, took out all their uh, chemical storage, all their buildings, their fertilizer building completely demolished and everything there. And then directly behind it was a grain system of a large farm and took down all. It only took the, the tops off his bins, so it didn't demolish the bins, but they had to be dismantled. He had to take the grain out. And, and dismantle the bins because they claim a lot of the structure integrity is in that top. So you had to take them down and rebuild them. And you talk about replacement costs. He said one of those bins, I think it was like 150,000 bushel bin he had. He had just had built two years prior at 113,000. Now it cost him 250,000 to replace that <laughs> thing out there. So, you know, I think that's one of the lessons we learned out of this whole deal was you really need to evaluate how much insurance and how much coverage and how much loss you can stand if we have one of those incidents. Because you can't you can't call your insurance company, you know, five minutes before the tornado hits <laughs> to get it up your coverage out there right. and, and everything. But we there's there's all kinds of odd stories out there. Uh, there was a just uh up 69 toward Grayson County, uh, we had a uh, retired vet uh, veterinarian that his house was impacted. A picture of his son from the prom ended up in Northern Kentucky. It was posted, somebody posted it on Facebook and said, hey, does anybody know where this came from? We know it came from the tornado. Does anybody know? And as soon as I saw that, I said, well, that's 
Corey St. Clair's son is who mm -hmm. that is. And that's exactly mm -hmm. who it was. And so it's amazing how things get, how far things get trained. Uh, I had one farmer said, said I was about, he was about five miles away from the line of the tornado, but he still walked all over the fields. He was a grain farmer. And he said, I found a bowling ball out in the middle of one of my fields. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> now, what would that have done to equipment when you get out there tilling ground first thing in the spring? <laughs> uh, you know, lots of plywood. I found a lot of metal in places you wouldn't expect to find metal where, where roofs had been crumpled up, about fist-sized pieces of metal that, you know, if you'd hit it with a tractor tire, probably would have been done major damage and stuff out there. So, uh, it's amazing how, how widespread the impact is out there. The amazing thing that I did see out of the whole thing was an outpouring of, of support, people's time, willing to donate to help, help clean up the mess and, and help rebuild people's lives, as well as the donations out there. Uh, we're very grateful to the, to the work that the Farm Bureau and the Kentucky Cattle Association and the University of Kentucky did to, to put together donations and get those out to the counties that were impacted out here. They basically created, uh, I think they ended up with old, almost a million and a half dollars that they, they uh, allowed uh, producers, ag producers, to go and purchase uh, uh, materials at local farm supplies. And they did make it local farm supplies. They didn't make it big box stores. They used local farm supplies. So the, the direct dollar had an impact there as well. And uh, that was very beneficial. And we had, we had 75 farmers that took, it, took advantage of that particular program out there. So uh, we're rebuilding, but it's a slow process. Uh, we got some of our barns rebuilt. Uh, probably one of the greatest things I've ever seen was the Amish and the, and the Mennonite uh, uh, groups. We had groups in here with, associated with them from Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, Virginia, Alabama, uh, from uh, several different states. And we hosted several of those groups, gave them a place to house right here at our workshop center here at the extension office and everything. Cause, uh, uh, they were bringing in groups of like 25 and 30 at a time, uh, to help during the rebuild. And it's amazing the skills of those, those individual people and how fast they can rebuild, uh, a structure for us out there. But, we're probably going to spend another year, probably maybe two, before we get back to, to looking like normal again. But again, that's kind of relative to what is normal. Where you look at these woods out here, these woodlands, and where all the metal is wrapped around the trees, I'm sorry, that mess may never be cleaned up. <laughs> that's that's one of the things I, I was, you know, when you drive down the parkway and you drive down through some of these rural areas, it's the woodlands. And like you said, there's a large amount in your county as there is in mine. And, and seeing some of that damage, number one, there's still damage from the ice storm almost, you know, um, you know, 10 years ago versus now you have the tornado damage also. And so those, those woodlands are, are, are struggling. Right. And I th the other, I think one of the other lessons it, it, it taught me as well is I remember there was a 30 acre track of, of timber out there and the gentleman, I don't know why he was holding up, but he, I mean, it's very large, white oak, red oak, black oak. He had, a, he had managed that thing to, to really have, and I know he had some veneer quality timber out there. And he had not timbered it. 
And by the Ooh. time it was done, all he had was a mess that had yeah. no value at all. Because even if the tornado didn't even touch down, it twisted the tops and splintered the wood. So it had no value for timber use out there. Unfortunately, And there is no insurance coverage on something like that. Exactly. Right. Now, with that said, if you've got that type of timber, I have learned you should have it evaluated so you have a value of it. And if you have a value of it before, they can evaluate it afterwards, and you can actually claim that as a loss on your taxes. Hmm. So That's good information to know. That's, that, that's something that I did learn. Uh, so if you've got timber that's worth something, have it evaluated, but you can use a consulting forester or uh, I don't know if the Kentucky Division of Forestry can do that, but they can put a value on that timber and you can put it in your records. Then if you do have a loss, you can claim that loss out there. So that, that's, that's beneficial in these types. You may not get your money back, but at least you're saving a little bit of money there on the other. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, I know you all have really went through a lot within the last year and, and uh, we appreciate you coming on and talking about that today uh definitely still in everybody's thoughts and prayers and uh you know if there's any any way that any of the rest of us out here can can still help you know that everybody's all, always here so. well we appreciate the the sympathy and uh we're getting there it's uh just a slow process about all i can say <laughs> yep all right well thanks for coming on with us today greg y'all have a good day then all right thanks greg Daniel, do you want to bring it back in? So yeah. Whichever yeah, one of us ends up yeah. closing it out with him. That was a good interview with uh, Mr. Greg Comer there. And sorry, How I had would to, you know? You I had to step there. out. I'm getting ready to apologize. I had to step out for a second. So <laughs> You don't know if it was any good or not. I do, too. I just I just heard it. Okay. The magic of editing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, remember those people this year, you know, it's, it's got to be, uh, uh, especially talking about storms next week and this time of year, it's got to be uh, stressful for, for them. So be uh, uh, remembering, remembering those people in your, in your thoughts and prayers, um, be a tough, tough anniversary. Yep. So moving on last week, uh, we talked about um, how I think Hardin County has the CAPE program, Next Gen program, and Yate program all going on and we thought it would be very good to just talk about all three of those um i don't have the exact dates in front of me but i know that the yate program will be starting in larue county pretty soon um i'm, I'm if i had to guess i think it's gonna be after the first of the year but be looking for that because we'll be having that going on real soon too and since i just talked about that we'll talk about that one first okay so what does yate stand for youth ag improvement project is that right no you were close it's, it's, oh youth ag incentive, incentive. Program. yeah yes so what um what are the ages for the yape program they have to be at least nine years of age uh by january one of the program year so if it's a 2022 program which i think all these will probably be um they'll have to be nine years of age by january 1st 2022 which is the um, same as 4-H ages, right? It is, yes. yes. And, it, and, that's just, and that's why, I mean, that's why it's kind of tied into that too. So yes, they have to be at least nine years of age by January 1st, 2022. There is a mentor requirement. So you have to have like a ag extension agent or a 4-H leader or an FFA teacher or someone like that to sign off as being a mentor uh, for this. 
but it does allow um, the the youth if they uh, get approved to be eligible for up to fifteen hundred dollars um, of a cost share program on a 50, 50 basis. So they could spend 3000 and get 1500 back. So it's essentially what the way I explained it to, cause we've done the program in the past. It's essentially Kate, but for the youth, because you know, that's yes. very similar. It, it, it is. Now there are different, um, things Areas. you can purchase mm-hmm. that are similar to Kate, but not exactly the same. Um, Right. So a lot of it, though, if you'll look and I don't have the paper in front of me, Daniel, you may, but it does have projects that maybe they're already doing um, for 4-H or FFA or any sort of youth uh, leadership program that they may be involved in. So I do I do know that they are related. Yeah. And and there's also there may be things that uh, your kids are just kind of doing on the farm, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're really helping a lot with the sheep and want to buy some, you know, some breeding stock of their own. That's a good thing they could do and sort of have their own flock that they could start to work with. Or, um, you know, maybe it's, uh, purchasing a, uh, show, show animal. Yeah. To, that's to what show. a lot of it gets used for in Hardin County show mm-hmm. animals, especially market show animals. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, one thing you, we need to be clear is it's not for the parent to be able to go out and buy something, just run it through the kid's name. Right. 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 And that's what, and I think that there is, and Daniel, you, you mentioned this earlier that they have to have a mentor program through that. And then they also, in our County, we had to, they had to actually present or give some sort of uh, explanation or, you know, demonstration of what they and why they were purchasing that you know, animal, whatever it was that they were purchasing. And so that was a really good way to help make sure that the youth were actually directly involved. Yeah. So it does say they shall complete one of the following. And, and one of them is to make a presentation like that or uh, to work with uh, 4-H FFA or other ag organization to do like a some part of a workshop or field day or do a community service type program. Mm-hmm. Um, so m- more often than not, if you're involved in 4-H or FFA, you're going to do one of those things um, as being a part of that organization. But if uh, if you're not, uh, talk to whoever your mentor is and they'll work to, to make to make sure you, you can fulfill that requirement. But um, yeah, it's a neat program. So if you have, you know, there's obviously probably hundreds of scenarios that a kid could uh, have something in this program. And if you've got questions about it, call your local extension agent or call your local um, uh, youth ag incentive program uh, person that's putting those on. I know uh, in LaRue County Farm Bureau puts, puts the youth program on. So you can contact um, I think Danny Gentry is the contact for that. We can get you his contact information too, but we probably know the same answers that he does. So feel free to call the extension office too, to handle those questions. Um, anything else on the youth ag incentives programs? Uh, one thing to mention is that all of these programs that we'll talk about are funded through ag development councils. So all of our counties have ag development councils and uh, those councils will take applications. So if an organization wants to run the youth program or a CAPE program or a next gen program, uh, they will decide how much money uh, gets funded to those different programs. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just make y'all speak up if I'm speaking, saying something that ain't right. 
but that's that's sort of how that works, and it varies year to year. It's not always guaranteed that you're going to have these programs every year, uh, but it, those councils will meet um, as they get applications in, and sometimes two to three times a year, and we'll we'll decide those things. But um, seems like some of these programs are starting to turn into where they're basically about the same time every year in their respective counties. Um, but if there's nothing else on the Yate program, who wants to talk about Kate next gen or next gen? Go, Let's go, go for next it. gen. We'll just go up with ages. You've got your, you have, uh, so I will say LaRue County does not have a next gen program, but Hardin County does. Hardin County does. So, so Racing County you, doesn't yet. So Hardin won't you County, talk about it? Yeah. Next gen requirements are basically for younger farmers, uh, beginning farmers. The age range is 18 to 40. So, if you're 40 years old, you're still considered a young farmer. Because I think what's the average age of a 57, isn't it? Yeah. Is yeah. it, is it that maybe? So I think at one time when they first started this, I think it was 18 to 30. And somebody said, hey, you know, you don't have to be under 30 to be a young or a beginning farmer. So anyway, they changed that, went to that, that 40 cutoff mark. Uh, Biggest thing is you have to be engaged in an agriculture of op- agricultural operation of some type for at least the last three years. So that doesn't mean you had to own a farm yourself the last three years. You could have helped your parents or uh, helped a neighbor or worked on a farm or worked for some kind of ag enterprise or whatever, but you have to have been involved in, that, in an agriculture operation for the last three years. Uh, and also, if you apply for next-gen funds, then you're not eligible for YAPE funds or regular CAPE funds. It has to be one of the three. So there'll be a few that would fall into both on the YAPE and a, a few that could fall into both on the other. Uh, I know in Hardin County, on next-gen, our funding's still the same. We run it just concurrent with the, the uh, regular CAPE program. Basically, the big advantage of applying for next-gen is you're kind of on a more level playing field in that scoring process uh, with other young and beginning farmers. Uh, There's a smaller pool of applicants because there's not as many people qualify for that next-gen program, uh, and you're able to, uh, to apply there and maybe have a little bit better shot of getting approved and getting money. Uh, there is a requirement that's a little different than Kate for this program is is to have a business plan. Correct. Um, and uh, there's when you pick up those applications, it kind of gives you a rough you know template on things you need to have for that. But um, I, I always say, and I think you probably would too, Matt, is if you are someone who's eligible for next gen farmer program, you still probably want to apply for both for next gen and Kate. Because you would, you're technically eligible for both, and uh, just increases your you chances. Can, yeah, you can just only funded. get, only get approved for one or the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think a lot of counties now are on an every other year approval um, on these programs, and yes. uh, next gen is the same way, right? Like if you get CAPE one year, you can't do next gen the next. It's it's you can only get funding every other year uh, from from those programs. Is that correct? Correct. That is, but it's it's county by county basis, correct? If I'm not mistaken, think, so 
Yeah, but that, I think most of our counties have gone to yes. that every other year thing now. Yeah. I mean, ours has, but I just, you know, there may be a county out there that's not. I don't I don't know of one, but just, you know, be aware of that. So around here, uh, yes, every other year. Kind of one final thing to note on the next gen and the uh, regular CAPE. Uh, you're only, there's only uh, one eligible applicant per household. So like a husband and wife can't both apply. Uh, father and son, if the son still lives at home, can't both apply. Uh, only one per household. That does not transfer over to YAPE. So, say a father wants to apply for CAPE and they have a son that wants to apply for YAPE, then that's fine. It's just the son couldn't apply for next gen as well. That makes sense. All right. So Does now, have... I think that covers uh, a lot of that. There is a mentor part of the Next Gen Farmer Program, too. You do have to have a, a mentor, and you may have mentioned that, Matt, or may have missed it. But um, I, other than that, that's I think that's everything on the Next Gen. It's very similar to Kate, which we'll talk about next. Um, and as far as, you know, what you can use the money for. Um, so Kate, Kate Program um, stands for County Agriculture Investment Program. It's funded the same way it comes from Ag Development Council, uh, from Ag Development Funds uh, that are allotted to each county. And uh, those councils decide how much and sort of the guidelines for how that program is going to run uh, year to year. Um, so the first part of CAPE is it's an application-based process and they, their applications are scored. Mm -hmm. And those applications can differ from county to county. There can be uh, Ag Development Councils that will ask if um, maybe that uh, different questions are, are on there that are worth different amounts of points. Uh, but generally, I think most counties probably run with whatever the state provides or whatever the uh, state Ag Development Office uh, provides there. And I think generally the scores tend to favor uh, people that have history of tobacco production. That's correct. At least they used to. I think they still do. Yeah. Um, also, I think maybe the, do they still favor young farmers? I don't remember. I, I think it varies from year to year because, like you said, that application has each question is worth a certain amount of points. And those points may change from year to year. And so and we as extension agents don't know. And even the um, the the county councils that do it don't know what those points are worth until you know that year so it is it, one year it may be more for the young farmer and, and one year it may not be it's just you know it, it's hard to say from year to year uh, but it is that it's important to note that those that scoring guide is created yeah. by the state it's and it's a uh, call share reimbursement it's not, mm -hmm. you know, money up front. There is a, you, you spend it and then you get the money back. Um, and I always tell people, don't assume that you're going to get this. It, it, like I said, it is a application that you fill out and it's scored. Um, it is not guaranteed money. So, you know, if you just can't afford to do it, then you don't need to do it. Just hoping that you're going to get uh Cape money because you can make purchases and retroactively reimburse for those things. Um, or it can be, you know, you, you, you're reimbursed. So you have to spend the money to get it back. Um, right. and, and it needs to be a completed project. And the person who is administrating the program will uh, uh, randomly check those to make sure that that, that happens. And if it's an infrastructure, 
Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was, was going to say Matt it, was being really quiet. I was trying to get him to chime in something because I feel like I'm, I'm talking still too much. here. Well, I was going to say the infrastructure projects; those are actually every one that is approved in the county. It is has to be um, looked at, and so that's one of those uh, things. If you're doing like a hay barn or some sort of permanent structure, you know they're going to make sure that it's completed before you get reimbursed. All right. Well, I think we're about out of time, but we've got to pick a song, and I've got an idea. <laughs> Okay, shoot. So, who is, a, I guess you'd call him country singer from Ohio County? Are you talking bluegrass or country? Well, bluegrass can fall into country, right? I mean, I would assume so, yeah. Well, I mean, you got, isn't Bill Monroe? The Bill Monroe home place is in Ohio yeah. County, right? Yep, when you I cross think, that I county think, line. I think Kale's got some got some bill monroe in the queue there so we'll just just let him pick probably yeah. his favorite bill monroe song that he has and we'll go with that this week i'm i'm good with that so well uh, if you don't have anything else i guess we'll wrap up for the week and we'll see you all next week <laughs>